0: Turn with us to Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through 21 in the letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through verse 31. I know it's painful to watch. It is difficult to hear all the reports coming out of Afghanistan, just horrifying How do we respond to that? As the church, what do we do? We pray for God's provision and protection of Americans in Afghanistan, of Afghan refugees, of the church in Afghanistan. We pray for the salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone of the Taliban. I mean, who knows? There may be a Saul the assassin turned Paul the apostle among the Taliban. If so, may Jesus seize him, may Jesus save him, and send him to make Jesus known among Muslims. You know, there, there are interesting parallel between Saul the assassin and the Taliban today. It's You know, the, the man God used to pen this letter in most of the New Testament was Saul the assassin. Who met Jesus on the road to Damascus and was transformed into Paul the apostle. And Saul, the, he was a part of a, a, a type of Taliban in his day in that... Paul, similar to the the Taliban, both of these, Saul in his day, Taliban today, they're seeking to stop followers of Christ. Secondly, I don't know if you know this, but in the Muslim world today, there's this miraculous phenomenon that is happening as Muslims are meeting Jesus via dreams and visions, and they're coming to faith in Christ. It's a miracle that's happening in the Muslim world. Very similar to how Saul, on the road to Damascus, met Jesus and became Paul the, the, the Apostle. See, Saul thought his mission was to stop followers of Christ. He thought he was helping Yahweh in stopping these followers of this one named Jesus. And you may say, why should we pray for somebody as evil as a taliban? Yeah, I'm with you. But hey, if Saul the assassin can become Paul the apostle, it's always too soon to give up on God. Always. (laughs) And see, Saul thought, yeah, my mission, I'm, I'm helping Yahweh to stop the church, to stop followers of Christ. But he soon realized, no, that's not my mission. My mission is to be helped by Yahweh to start following Jesus. And so here in Philippians 3, 17, we find ourselves arriving at a place where Paul is speaking to this little church in Philippi with a message of don't miss your mission. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Don't miss your mission. Saul was missing his mission before he surrendered to Christ on the road to Damascus. Don't miss your mission. So let me read this text. You follow along and then we'll spend some time unpacking it together. So if you're there, say I'm there. Here we go. Verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. With minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who will transform our lowly body. To be like his glorious body. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Father we pray for the reading. And the receiving and the responding to your word today in Jesus' name and God's people said. So here's our takeaway. Sermon in the big idea, main idea. Our heavenly vision gives us our earthly mission. Our heavenly vision. When we think and focus on the things above, then we understand what we're to do here down below. Our vision gives us our mission. See, in February, we've got Dr. Paul Chitwood. He's the president of the International Mission Board. He's coming here to preach at our World Missions Conference. And Dr. Chitwood has a vision for the International Mission Board. And it's Revelation chapter 7, where every people from every tribe, and every language, and every nation, and every people are gathered around the throne of the king, worshiping him. That's the vision. That gives IMB the mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our heavenly vision gives us our earthly mission. And so here Paul gives us really in three parts in these, this set of verses uh, our mission. And so I want to share that with you this morning. I want to challenge you to not miss your mission. Number one, join others who follow Jesus. How do we ensure we won't miss our mission? We need to join others who are following Jesus. Number one, join those who are together following the Lord Jesus. You know, what, what is the hardest creature to lead? I've always thought that the hardest creature to lead is a cat. Would you not agree? It's like herding cats, right? I mean, you can't. they don't. They're not going to follow you. They're not. And then I met Oliver, our cat. And our cat follows us in our neighborhood. We, we go on walks in our neighborhood, and the cat follows us. Here, here's a selfie. <laughs> you see our cat up at the top. That's Oliver. We made two laps around the neighborhood, and Oliver follows every step of the way. It's strange. So I guess... A cat is not the most difficult creature to lead. In fact, I would say the hardest creature to lead that you'll ever try to lead is yourself. See, there's days you're going to wake up, you're going to feel like a million bucks, you're going to feel like you can storm hell with a leaking water pistol, and you're going to feel like it, man, you got it today. And then the next day you're going to wake up, and you won't feel like a million bucks, you'll feel like insufficient funds. Right? I mean, you just don't, you're just not into it that day. The most difficult creature to lead is ourself. And so Paul makes it clear as he speaks to this church at Philippi and to us today, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me. Very affectionate language. Very endearing language. Brothers. Paul loved this little church. Now, I I don't believe Paul showed favoritism. I don't. But I believe this might have been his favorite church. Because look how he refers to them in chapter 4 verse 1 my brothers therefore my brothers whom i love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the lord my beloved oh he's so affectionate and endearing with with this body of believers and he refers them as brothers join in imitating me one of my seminary professors Doctor, the late Dr. Jerry Barlow, he, when we would preach in class and we'd have an assignment to preach a message in class, he would always critique it, of course. And one thing he would always point out is, what do you refer to your audience as? What do you call them? Do you call them church? Do you call them folks? Do you call them y'all? Or you guys? I mean... What do you call them? Brothers and sisters? Ladies and gentlemen? Men and women? Boys and girls? What do you call He'd always point that. And this is what he'd say to us. He'd say, "Boys, we got to call them something." Right? You got to call them something. Paul in a very affectionate, endearing way called this church brother. What's he doing? He's saying, "Listen. We are equal. We are the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ." I'm no greater than you, you're no greater than me. We're equals in, according to the gospel and in the family of God. And so he says, join in imitating me. Join me as I imitate Christ. Join in imitating me. Be a fellow imitator. Be a co-imitator. Join in following the example of another. And Paul was the perfect example to follow because Paul was not Perfect. Paul even says in verse 12, if you can glance up at verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul says, I'm not perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. So Paul was the perfect example to follow because of his imperfections. And boy, he had his imperfections. I mean, we have it listed out for us. The Gospels give us... Or the epistles, rather, of Paul, in Scripture, we have laid out his ups and downs, his sufferings, his sin, his triumphs, his failures. I mean, we have them all. He was not perfect, he had his imperfections. He went on a rant, he had an outburst, he flew off the handle in Acts chapter 23. Listen to this. And looking intently at the council. So, this is where Paul has let this council, no. he is a Roman citizen, and he's standing before this council, and he says, brothers, I've lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by Paul to strike him on the mouth. He said, hit Paul in the face. And here's what Paul said to Ananias, the priest. He said, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? And those who stood by him said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, Oh, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. It is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Kind of like a half-hearted apology from Paul. <laughs> wow, he flew off the handle. It sounds like a 2021 20, political Twitter rant, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly what it is. He flew off the handle. He was not perfect. In fact, to to keep him from becoming conceited with all the revelation that God was giving to him as he penned these letters, the Bible said he was given a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what that is. Was it a sin? Was it some kind of suffering? Was it some kind of sickness? We don't know. We do know it was a messenger of Satan. So that tells us it wasn't good and it wasn't fun. But Paul said that it was given to him. For him to not become conceited. And he asked the Lord to take it away. And the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. See, Paul was the perfect example to follow. Because he was imperfect. Yet he was being perfected in Christ. And Paul tells him here in verse 17. To keep your eyes on, fix your eyes on, focus on, observe intently those who are following Jesus observe those who are walking according to the example you find in us attach yourself to someone who is following Jesus see here's what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi you have my 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 example in print but you can't watch me in person because I'm not there Paul says, I'm not going to be with you, church at Philippi, every day. You're not going to be able to see me walk with Christ every day. I'm not going to be there. I'm not there. And so he says, look to Timothy or Epaphroditus or other believers in the church. Look to them. Observe them intently as they follow Christ. In other words, Paul is telling us, yes, the written example is fantastic. You need to get in the Word. You need to see how Paul handled disappointment. You need to see how Paul handled and dealt with persecution. We need to see how Paul made mistakes but lived a gospel-centered life. We need to see that in print. But we also need to see that in person. You need to observe intently other believers who are following Christ. Paul saying you need to attach yourself to a Paul. To disciple you and you need to attach yourself to a Timothy that you can disciple if it's a burden for you to have gospel conversation if the thought of telling someone about Jesus burdens you then you need to attach yourself to a believer who has a burden to tell people about Jesus don't attach yourself to someone who also says man it's a burden for me to tell people about you. you're not going to get anywhere you need to attach yourself to someone, observe intently, fix your eyes on, follow one who is walking according to those who are, can't help but speak the name of Jesus. Married couples. We need married couples discipling married couples. Do you understand that we've got a generation of men and women that are getting married who have never seen A biblical, godly marriage. That's not going to turn out too well. Attach yourself, married couples, to a married couple who you can follow that will show you how to live a godly, biblical marriage. And we want to help you. We want to help you with this whole discipleship process that Paul is pointing to here. He's saying, be discipled and be a disciple. And we want to help you with that. So starting in September, our E3 groups are going to launch again. They launch the week of Labor Day. They go to Memorial Day. And we take the summer off. And we want you to join one of our E3 groups. What is an E3 group? E stands for equip. Somebody say equip. Equip. We, We are going to be equipped for the works of ministry. So how do we do that? We do that in groups of three to five. Somebody say three to five. Not two, not six, three to five. Jesus had three, James, Peter, John. Counting Jesus, it was four. So E3 groups are equipping three to five, men with men, women with women and we walk every week. We meet together and as we walk through the word together, we discuss what God taught us that week. We observe intently how to model discipleship and evangelism and we hold each other accountable and we do it for the sake of reproduction and multiplication. As you finish a group, the next semester, the next September, you'll start a group. That's the whole idea behind it is to make disciples who are making disciples. And we want you to join us. We start the week of Labor Day. Go through Memorial Day. You can be a part of that today by texting the word join. Somebody say join. You don't have to say it with my Mississippi drawl. But join to 79969 and we'll get you in a group. So do that today. Do it right now. If you're in person, take out your phone, text join to 79969. If you're online, do the same. Here's what I read recently. This is tragic, and it happens all over our nation. Sixty-six percent of graduating high school students who grew up in the church, okay? Sixty-six percent of graduating high school students who grew up in the church, they leave the church after graduation. Leave. Somebody say leave. Don't get up and leave, but... Listen, we don't need this generation of young men and women today leaving the church. We need them leading the church. Don't leave it, lead it. Paul told Timothy very clearly, "Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity." You know, in 1992, 24% of pastors were over the age of 50, 55, 24%. In 2017, that number jumped to 50% of pastors are over the age of 55. What does that tell us? We're not calling out the call. That's what that tells us. We're not equipping the next generation to lead. We're equipping them to lead. And we need to stop that. We need to repent of that. And we need to call out the call. So if you're a middle school, high school, young adult, older adult, wiser adult, text the word join to 79969 and let's get in a group and let's disciple one another. Let's walk according to the example that is found within Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus and every man, woman, boy or girl who has been saved by the grace of God Almighty in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Join. You know, as I was studying this and all this I mean, just horrific reports coming out of Afghanistan. I thought to myself, and and I saw it on social media. I'm sure you saw it too. It had the church of Afghanistan and the church in America. It had the church in Afghanistan, we will gather on Sunday and most likely die. And then the church in America, it had, we will gather on Sunday unless, it was a host of reasons. It's raining outside, or we'll gather unless it's pretty outside, right? Either way. And there's just other excuses why we won't gather. And and when I saw that, I had this thought. I thought, man, if Paul the Apostle was writing a letter to the church in Afghanistan today, and he was writing a letter to the church in America today, Those would probably be two different letters. Don't you imagine? Paul would probably be in a different mood when he wrote one and the other. I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you to join us. Join this church. You've been visiting for a while, it's time to join. We'd love to have you join. Join a life group. Join one of these E3 groups let's be the church so text the word join we'd love to have you get connected with us on a deeper level and that's the way you do that today you text the word join here's the second piece to this mission that paul lays out for us so eloquently in philippians 3 17 through 21 number two journal through the word of jesus journal through the word The only way you are ever going to understand God's timing in your life and the times we're living in in this life is to spend time with God. And one way we spend time with God is in His Word. Every day, getting into the Word of God, spending time with God in His Word. Here's how Paul says it in verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears... Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul, you see his heart here, don't you? He's broken. His heart is is, is bleeding for those who are far from God, that he wants to see them come near to God. And he's burdened by that. He's burdened that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. How How can you make yourself an enemy of the only way in which we can be saved? The only way that, that, that while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us on the cross. How can you make yourself an enemy of that? And Paul's broken and he's, his heart is bleeding. See, the gospel says very clearly in Scripture that Jesus died on the cross while we rejected him that he was buried that the third day he rose from the dead and everyone who believes in him will have eternal life and abundant life now in the spiritual realm See, Paul is making it clear here. As As his heart is bleeding, Paul wants us to understand something about the gospel. The gospel never says that Jesus believes in us. Jesus does not believe in us. Jesus does not believe in you. He does not believe in me. Jesus, however, does believe that we will believe in him. And he says that in the prayer in John 17. He prays that. And he he says, Father, I don't ask for them only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word. Through the word of Christ. The gospel, the cross of Christ. And Paul wanted those who were far from God to come near to him. In fact, he prayed that over his own people in Romans 10. Paul is broken, and he prays for the Jewish people, and he says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. They're seeking their own righteousness. They've rejected the righteousness of God for Christ is the law of righteousness for all who believe. And Paul was burdened for them. He said they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Think about with me the cross of Christ. The heart of the gospel is the cross of Christ. Think about that. How God proves his love for us is at the cross. The cross is where God's wrath poured out on Jesus and God's grace poured out on us. It's where they meet at the cross. The whole subject of this Bible, of your Bible, of the Word of God, the entire theme of the Bible is the cross of Christ. That's it. The theme of the Word is the cross. We see it in Genesis 3, where God says to the serpent, talking about the coming Messiah and what will happen, he said, he he shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. That's talking about the cross We see the cross in Genesis 22 when Abraham takes Isaac to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. And a ram in a thicket is provided for him to sacrifice as a burnt offering instead of his son. His only son Isaac whom he loved. That's pointing to the cross where God did not spare his son. He did not spare his one and only son. Jesus whom he loved. His only begotten son. He didn't spare him but he gave him up for you and for me. That's the whole message of the Bible. God's redemptive plan of man. We see it in Numbers 21 where Moses lifts up the serpent in the wilderness. And Jesus in a conversation with Nicodemus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. The whole Bible is the cross of Christ. In Revelation chapter 5, We see the rejoicing and the worship around the throne of God. And there's one reason why there is praise in heaven. One. And the Bible says it like this. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seal, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and nation and people. And you've made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the myriads of myriads and thousands upon thousands with a loud voice crying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. That's the cross. That's the cross. To him be honor and glory and might and blessing and wealth and wisdom. The chief reason for praise in heaven, the chief reason that there is praise in heaven is the cross of Christ. Why is there praise in heaven? Because of the cross. And since the cross is the reason there is praise in heaven, since the cross is the why there's praise in heaven, then the cross is what must be proclaimed on this earth. And Paul makes that clear. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. So this year in our journal through the Word, we're journaling from Genesis to Revelation. And we're journaling through the meta narrative of Scripture, the main story of the whole Bible. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at selected passages in Genesis all the way to Revelation that point us to the cross of Christ, that tell the redemptive plan of God for man throughout the whole Scripture. And we start that the week of Labor Day. You can pick up your journals next Sunday, August the 29th. We'll have them available in print. And also this year we're going to have a digital copy available for you to pick up next Sunday. Let me encourage you to be a part of journaling through the Word with other men, men with men, and women with women. We look forward to walking through the Word of God together. You say, why should I do that? Well, God's Word reveals God's will. If you want to know God's will, it's in God's Word. God's Word, it it never returns void. It's never spoken in vain. It it equips us for every good work. It proclaims salvation. It is the counselor who, who comforts us. The Bible is the meat that satisfies, the milk that nourishes us. It's the water that washes us. It's the hammer that shatters us. It's the seed that saves us. It's the light that guides us. You, you know what the Word will do for you? The Word of God will help you di- differentiate between what is true and what is not true. Boy, if we ever needed that, we need that today. Don't you listen and watch all this junk and garbage going on and don't know what to believe and what not to believe. Don't know what's true and what's not true. Well, the Bible divides truth and error. It cuts like a sword. This is why we need to stay in the Word. Let's not be like those walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. You probably saw this. I know I did this week. Dr. Rex Rogers, president of a Christian nonprofit organization, said this week, and I quote, We're hearing from reliable sources that the Taliban demands people's phones and if they find a downloaded Bible on your device, you will be killed immediately. We can think of that as certainly an enemy of the cross of Christ. But Paul has more than that even in mind here. Paul hammered the church at Galatia for listening to another gospel that was no gospel at all hammered them and so here we understand that any teaching outside of by grace alone is an enemy of the cross of christ good works claiming that my good outweighs my bad and i'll get to heaven because of my good work that's an enemy of the cross of christ any works based on Religion or theology is an enemy to the cross of Christ. We are saved by grace alone. Somebody say alone. Not a lot. We're not saved by a lot of grace. And we all need a lot of grace. But we're not saved by a lot of grace. We are saved by grace. Somebody say it again. Alone. Alone. Any other teaching is an enemy of the cross of Christ. And here's what happens to those who are enemies of the cross of Christ. Look at verse 19. Their end is destruction. That speaks of their destiny. Their destiny is destruction. See, those who reject this word have no hope beyond this world. None. They will have heaven without Jesus. Do you know what heaven without Jesus is? It's hell. And that's what await those who reject, who are enemies of the cross of Christ. God is their belly. Look at that. Their God is their belly. That speaks of their desires. Their desires are the things of this world and not the things of the Word. In other words, the only Lord in their life is self. It's their desires. They glory in their shame, Paul says. That speaks to their defiance. Not only are they defiant, but they celebrate that defiant. Man, if that doesn't define our culture today, I don't know what does. Just celebrating their rebellious sin. They're defiant. And then listen to this. Their minds are set on earthly things. That's what they delight in. What do they delight in? They delight, again, in the things of this world, not in the things of the Word. That's why it's so critical, believer, that you stay in God's Word. Get in it until it gets into you. And stay in it. And teach it to others. Stay in the Word of God. Journal through the Word of God of God here's the last one last part of our mission according to Philippians 3 17 through 21 and this part is so good I mean this is so good last one journey as sojourners in this world for Jesus journey with Jesus in this world because listen this is not our home we're just strangers we're passing through we're sojourners so as you sojourn through this world you journey for Jesus live for him The world is probably not as bad, I mean it's terrible, it's horrible, but maybe not as bad as it always seems to be on Twitter, it's certainly not as good as it looks on Instagram, it's not as crazy as it sounds on Facebook, it's not as hip as it is boasted about on TikTok, it's not as picture perfect as it is portrayed on Snapchat, it's not as easy as it is explained on YouTube. Paul is saying very clearly here in verse 20 and 21, don't get caught up in the here and the now. Don't do it. Don't lose hope because of what's happening. And don't have hope in what is happening down here. Don't focus on the here and the now. Don't get caught up in what is or is not happening. Don't get caught up, man, it's so bad there's no hope. And don't get caught up, man, it's... It, it, it's so good here. and it, I, I'm, Everything's going well in my life and I don't need the Lord. Don't get caught up in either side of that. Paul says it like this. Our citizenship is in heaven. Fix your eyes up there. And, and this would have meant a lot to this church because the church at Philippi, you need to understand, they were, they, they, they were a Roman colony. You know what that means? They were citizens of Rome. But they weren't living in Rome. They were living in Philippi. And when people would visit Philippi, they look around and say, man, this looks like Rome. And so they called it Little Rome. They're citizens of Rome, but they don't live in Rome. They live in Philippi. And so Paul is saying to this church that would get this so clearly, our citizenship is in heaven. Paul's saying, listen, our citizenship is in heaven, but we're living outside of heaven currently. But our citizenship is right now in heaven. Paul doesn't say, Man, I hope our citizenship one day will be in heaven. He says, Our citizenship is in heaven. It's present tense, not future tense. Saying, Right now, if you're in Christ, men, women, boys, and girls, right now, if you have put your faith in Jesus alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Him alone, then your name is written down. In the new heavenly city registry. It's already written there. You have the privileges and the responsibilities of being a citizen of heaven right now. Right now. Right now you need to understand. Your Lord reigns from heaven. Right now you need to understand your fellow saints are already there, some of them. Your inheritance is there. Your treasure is there. Your reward is there. And you're accountable to Jesus until you get there. We're already citizens. So our conduct down here should match our citizenship up there. They should match. And Paul's saying, listen, our citizenship is in heaven heaven so watch how you're journeying on this earth it matters how you live your life it matters on how you think what you say what you post what you tweet it matters that conduct should match a citizen of heaven not a citizen of this earth is your conduct matching your citizenship and look what Paul says and from it from what from heaven we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, church, I don't know of anybody that I've ever talked to that would be disappointed if this virus just went away. Would anybody be disappointed in that? If the virus just disappeared? I, don't, I can't think of anybody. Anybody? That wouldn't be ecstatic about, hey, this virus is just going to go away. And it goes away. And some of us are waiting. Some of us are eagerly waiting for this virus to go away. And I get it. And you get it. And we all get it. Because it is brutal. It has taken so many lives. And so many of us are waiting for that virus to go. Certainly the world is waiting for that virus to go away. But let me challenge you, church, as the church, we're not waiting for an event. We're not waiting for an event to happen. We're we're not waiting for a virus to go. We're waiting for Jesus to come. (laughs) We're waiting on a person the Lord Jesus Christ—that's who we're waiting on. We're waiting. On, we're not waiting for a virus to go away. We're waiting for Jesus to come again. He said, "We eagerly await." That means we are excited about it. We're looking forward to it in anticipation of that. Changes how we live right now. Our heavenly vision changes our earthly mission. It gives us what we're here to do, and we're to live that. We're to journey for Jesus on this earth. Is it hard? Yes. Is it difficult? Absolutely is it a mess, of course it is but look what the Bible says, look what Paul says he reminds us of this, he will transform good God almighty he will transform our lowly body into a glorious body why? because he subjects all things to himself he is Lord, he is Lord he is Lord and on his thigh he has written the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he's Lord even Satan himself is going to bow the knee to Jesus one day even Satan, he's Lord of all He's Lord of all and He can transform these lowly bodies and He will transform these lowly bodies into His glory, like His, a glorious body. Meanwhile what do we do? We're, we're awaiting a savior, we're not awaiting a banker, we're not awaiting a, a doctor, we're not awaiting a plumber or, or, a, or a carpenter, yeah He was the son of a carpenter, sure, and son of the living God. But We're awaiting a Savior, a Savior. So meanwhile, we need to be sure that every single person that we know, that that we come in contact with, has an opportunity to be saved. Because the Savior is coming. And they need to know that and have an opportunity to be saved. So this year, how are we doing, church? How are we doing in that effort? Let me give you a quick report of where our church is so far as we eagerly await the Savior who's coming How is our work as we wait? Well, so far we've had just under 5,000 gospel conversations this year. Praise God for that. I'm sure a lot of those came through our food giveaway lines earlier this year. Uh, We've seen 72 missionaries sent on national projects. Praise God for that. When last year we couldn't send anybody, 72 have gone this year. We've seen 132 families that have been helped through our benevolence offering. That's all on you. That's your fault that so many people are being helped because of your generous, benevolent giving. You've touched the lives of that. And some of those have come to faith in Christ. We've given away 65,000 boxes of food to 23,000 families with 1,287 volunteers over 33 days. Again, that's on you. We've seen 76 new members this year join our church we've seen 42 baptisms praise the Lord we've seen 74 salvations this year our giving I I still can't explain that it just grows every year praise God for that to his glory alone and we have more work to do we must earnestly work as we eagerly await his coming and listen I want you to understand that we are for Marriage, biblical marriage between one man and one woman. That is marriage. Nothing else qualifies as marriage but one man and one woman. And we're committed to that. We're committed to the family. We're committed to grandparents and parents and students and children and and middle school, high school, college. We're committed to being a multi-generational church. We're committed to that. November the 7th. Somebody say November the 7th. Say it it again. Yeah, November the 7th. You need to circle that day. You need to highlight that day. That's the day, for one thing, it'd be easy to remember because that's the day we fall back with our clocks, I think, but November the 7th, a Sunday, is the day uh, that we're going to have a Parenting Forward Conference, okay? Dr. Alan Branch, he's an Christian ethics professor from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He'll be here that morning preaching a a, a message on just biblical family. That evening at 5 p.m. in this room, somebody say this room, this room, he will be here to talk about a very difficult subject, transgenderism in our world today. More specifically, how we as parents and grandparents can have conversations with our middle school, high school students on how to navigate through this transgender culture that we live in today. And and he's going to come with a message of we love those who are confused about gender, but we stand firm on the truth. Now, that evening session at 5 o'clock in this space on November 7th will not be appropriate for children. We'll have child care available. Again, it is not appropriate for children. It will be appropriate for middle school and high school students, though. And Dr. Branch will lead us in that. And it is going to be something you just don't want to miss. Tanya and I try our best to have these conversations with Brady and Bell. But one of the problems is we don't even know the lingo. We don't even understand the terms that are being used. So we'll have a resource for you that defines all those and questions, frequently asked questions, and how do I handle this and how do I handle that? Very practical. You don't want to miss that parenting forward conference. Why? Because we are committed to fulfilling our earthly mission because of our heavenly vision. And we want to invite you to be a part of that. Our heavenly vision gives us our earthly vision. Paul says it like this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. Meaning, we're not up there with Him right now, we're on earth. And because of that vision, we know He has given us a mission, the Great Commission. You see, Jesus' all authority in heaven and on earth gives us all access from earth to heaven. Our home in heaven gives us hope right here on earth. Jesus is soon coming on the clouds of heaven is what keeps us going through these storm clouds on this earth it's that heavenly vision our eternal destiny in heaven that gives us and makes us a part of an eternal fraternity on earth the church see our future grace that day grace in heaven gives us present day grace on earth this heavenly vision gives us our earthly mission i'm telling you church jesus ascent into heaven means that we are sent on earth we have a mission until he comes we have a mission jesus preparing a place for us in heaven gives us the mission of pointing people to jesus on this earth so don't you stop You press on toward that goal. This one thing Paul did, he pressed on toward that prize, that upward prize in Christ Jesus. Don't you back up. Don't you slow down. You keep living for Jesus. You keep leading your family to follow Christ. You keep following that example. You keep being that example of one who is following after Jesus. Church, people that are caught by the gospel catch people with the gospel. Caught people catch people. Taught people teach people salt people seek people so let's keep it up father we-